This is the Cleveland Guardians Fancast with your host, Quincy Wheeler, a podcast about the Cleveland Guardians and their fans. Welcome to the Cleveland Guardians Fancast. I'm your host, Quincy Wheeler. You can find us at Guardian Fancast on Twitter. You can email me at Quincy at GuardiansFancast.com. Hope everybody had a great week. Sorry about Wednesday's episode getting messed up and that today's episode is late getting out. But that's kind of how vacation goes. Um, Family had a good vacation. And thanks for everyone who had those well wishes for us. The Guardians had a little bit of trouble uh, finishing up with the Mariners series, got swept there, but then took care of business uh, against the Royals and the Twins. One little hiccup there as they lost a 2-1 game to the Royals as Emmanuel Classe had a rare game of control issues, and but they bounced back by sweeping the Twins, which is, of course is a big series. Twins were right behind them coming into it, and the Guardians got some separation there. Now four and a half games ahead of them and two and a half games ahead of the White Sox, four games ahead of the White Sox in the last column. Basically, if the Guardians manage to go 500 the rest of the year, it will be very difficult for the White Sox or the Twins to catch them. Also, if the Guardians manage to win one more game against the Twins or and one more game against the White Sox, they have the tiebreaker if the teams end up tied. So that's kind of a big deal as well. With five games left against the Twins, seems like you know winning one of those fives, five isn't an unreasonable ask. Same deal with the White Sox. So feeling pretty good. Uh, it's a young team, though, so things can fall apart, and that's important to remember. But it'll be fun to see them do this playoff push, see some of the veteran players help the younger guys hang with it, see some of the younger guys provide a little bounce. Now, the Angels come into town right now, and the Guardians are going to be sending out uh, Pilkington and Morris as part of the rotation to go up against them. Pilkington has pitched pretty well lately, and that's good to see. And Morris had a good outing the last time out. But you're going to be facing a team that's got some pretty good hitters, obviously, Otani and Trout. Uh, a little skeptical, uh, a little sketchy as far as how that's going to go. The Angels are also putting three left-handed pitchers against the Guardians, and we all know the Guardians are one of the worst teams in baseball against left-handed pitching. So it's going to be important for the guys who can hit left-handed pitching, which this year has been Ahmed Rosario, Andre Simenez, Oscar Gonzalez, Jose Ramirez. It's going to be important for them to show up and do what they're capable of doing. Probably shouldn't play Josh Naylor in at least one of those games, maybe two. (laughs) At least bring him in as a pinch hitter later in the game. And then, of course, the option other than Josh Naylor appears to be Owen Miller, who has been absolutely horrific against left-handed pitching in AAA and in the majors. So that is an ongoing source of frustration. I see a lot of people saying that Gabriel Arias should be brought up. Uh, Now, Arias hasn't hit left-handed pitching very well in Columbus either. He's got an OPS against them in the 600s range. So I, I don't know, you know, you could say, well, it's all small sample size. You could say that with Owen Miller, too. 
team has to have an idea of what players are capable of hitting left-handed pitching. It looks like Tyler Freeman can, so it would be nice to see him get some at-bats, maybe get some at-bats at third and play Jose at DH, and uh, but maybe even give him at-bats at first base if he's capable of it. Arias has been able to play first base. It would be nice to see him there. My thought is, hey, find a way to get David Fry on the roster. You know, I've said before, we've got a lot of utility infielder options. Not a bad idea to DFA Ernie Clement, see if you can get him through waivers. I understand how valuable his defense is, but uh, he's not really <laughs> offering you a lot at the plate, and that's kind of what you need, especially against left-handed pitching. Ernie Clement even might be a decent option against left-handed pitching over Owen Miller. He just hasn't been able to hit left-handed pitching. But Ernie Clement at first base against a left-handed pitcher, I'm not going to complain right now because Owen Miller has just not shown that he's capable of hitting left-handed pitching. And maybe the team has data that says, hey, that might be possible. Miles Straw has been turning it on lately against left-handed pitching and in general. So it's possible. Maybe the team sees something there and maybe he'll have a great series. But right now, I'm just not going to complain. David Fry has a 782 OPS against left-handed pitching at AAA. Uh, should be more than comp competent enough to play first base and can provide kind of an emergency catcher, uh, backup catcher option. Man, I, I just would like to see a team that didn't add any right-handed hitting, didn't address this issue at the trade deadline, be aggressive and try to give us an option there of somebody who has shown that they can hit left-handed pitching. The, the guys that you might think of wanting to see on the roster, um, Valera and Brennan, not good numbers against left-handed pitching. Bo Naylor, his numbers are a little bit better, but again, not somebody who you're going to see as somebody who's really going to hammer left-handed pitching. So I don't, <laughs> I don't really know that the answer there is is obvious. Young Kenzie Noel has even splits, but. I don't really see them rushing him to the majors, and I don't think that's necessarily a good idea. He might be somebody who could hit you a home run against a left-handed pitcher, but maybe strike out the other you know, 12 times, and I'm not really sure they want that, though he is on the 40-man roster. And I'm also not sure that he's quite ready to play first base yet, so that's pretty unlikely, although I've seen people suggest it. Just really think we have so many utility infield options that it would make sense to get somebody up here like David Fry, who can play first base and try to hit left-handed pitching. Alex Call was the guy I was hoping they would have around for this when they didn't make a move, and they'd already moved on from him. So I don't I don't really know what the plan is there. Hopefully the guys will show up. Hopefully you'll have Miles Straw hit well, and then you'll have the other guys that I mentioned handle business against left-handed pitching, and maybe Owen Miller, he just turns everything around. But man, he just can't really seem to do anything but occasionally walk against left-handed pitching. None of his at-bats look good against them. And that's even saying that this past week against a right-handed pitcher, he took a 101-mile-an-hour pitch and lined it for a single, and he made some good plays at first base on Sunday. His first base play looks like it's kind of turning around. It's weird how he's actually pretty good at scooping the ball, but there are times where throws will just hit him in the glove and not, and not land and stick. So I don't know if it's a comfort issue there, but it's not defense at first so much that concerns me as the fact that he's the guy who's meant to play at first base against left-handed pitching, and he's got like a 550 OPS against left-handed pitching. Not to mention that he also, for the year, is just not hitting well. I mean, 
if you take out the month of April where he went absolutely nuts, which obviously is part of what's been going on and shouldn't be discounted, but the rest of his year, from May 1st on, he's got a 59 WRC+, plus, almost half of what an average player would be. His slash line is 218, 268, 296. That's just unplayable. It's unplayable. He's had three home runs and 365 plate appearances, and those numbers are bumped up by the fact that he's hit right-handed pitching much better than he has left-handed pitching. So you have to imagine what those numbers would be if I was able to split them out for left-handed pitching. I just don't understand what the team is thinking as far as riding it out with him that I guess they just don't think they have any better options. Be great to hear that they would bring up another right-handed hitter to try it out for the series. Overall, though, it's a super positive time to be a Guardians fan. The pitcher pitching has been great. McKenzie and Bieber took care of business against the Twins, so did Quantrill, and the bullpen delivered as well. A little bit of bumps in the road. James Karinchek had a rough outing and then walked a couple guys on Sunday. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the new <laughs> speeding up the game rules affect Karinchek, who's obviously going to his hair and the ball a lot to get the grip that he wants on his pitches. So he's going to have to speed that up in the offseason. Speaking of the rule changes, there's a good article out from Michael Bauman, who just started writing for Fangraphs, explaining why the rule changes are good. And I would encourage you to read that. I'll put a link in the description of this episode. The uh, rule changes, in case you haven't heard, uh, bases will increase from 15 inches square to 18 inches square. The shift uh, will be banned in the sense that all four infielders must have feet entirely on the infield dirt when the pitcher is on the rubber. Two infielders must be entirely on either side of second base. And then the pitch clock. Once the ball is ready for play, the pitcher must begin his motion within 15 seconds with the bases empty, 20 seconds if there's a runner on. Batter must be in the box alert to the pitcher within eight seconds of the timer starting. Pitcher is late, charged with an automatic ball. Batter's late, charged with an automatic strike. Pitcher may disengage from the rubber, step off, or throw to bases no more than twice per plate appearance. And um, there will be a 30-second limit on both mound visits and the time between batters. I love all these last changes, the pitch clock especially. I think that's what the game really needs and has needed for a while. It's just a way to kind of speed things up a little bit. It should increase stolen bases, which are also an exciting part of the game that has been lacking over the last years especially the um, minor league saw that their when they tested out these rules saw their stolen base uh, success rate go up by about 25 percent so that should make things pretty exciting and it'll require some strategy from the catchers and pitchers and when they're going to use those step offs and throw over uh, i'm a big fan of all these changes don't really think the shift ban is going to make a huge difference Kind of outfield shifts would probably make a little more of a difference. Um, but uh, the base thing hopefully will just help with safety, slightly increase the stolen base rate maybe. Slight, very slight increase with offense. Didn't really have a noticeable effect in the minor leagues, but you kind of might want to see that in the major league level to see how it goes. But the pitch clock's the one that really should help. Uh, Bauman talks about how something that you know kind of makes sense that pitchers won't be able to just go all out because they'll have uh, less time to recoup between pitches. 
So it should help with just this overwhelming velocity that we see from pitchers, even from Class A, to maybe give hitters a little bit more of a chance, force guys to kind of approach at bats a little differently, hold something in reserve. And that's something that pitchers are going to have to get used to. The good news is, is that most pitchers in the majors now have been dealing with pitch clocks in the minors for a while. So there are guys like Class A and Karinchek who are going to have to adjust how much time they take between pitches. And you got to trust the Cleveland Guardians um, pitching staff, their coaching staff, to figure that out and help them out with that. Another article I wanted to mention to you, Travis Sachik uh, had another great article talking about some adjustments Austin Hedges made to his pitchcom. So they've got a little electronic communication device between the catchers and the pitchers. And Hedges modified his to provide uh, extra encouragement for his pitchers, to use his own voice on it. And it seems like it's really kind of increased the pace for their pitchers, kept them in good rhythm, and fires them up. He says that he uses his uh, FES sounder for um, Emmanuel Classe all the time, and it fires him up. Uh, just another example of how uh, Hedges provides a lot of value for the team that might not necessarily show up on paper. You know, if you've been listening, that I've been saying you just can't rock a 40 WRC plus guy, even as a backup catcher. Well, Hedges is making himself look a little more competent at the plate. I definitely am a fan now of bringing him back as a backup catcher. If you're going to go with Bo Naylor and say, hey, he's the catcher of the future, uh, re-sign Hedges, maybe sign him to a two- or three-year deal, let him be the backup, let him be the mentor for Bo Naylor. Uh, I've officially become convinced on that, that that's a reasonable request. I'm also not opposed if the team wants to upgrade the catcher position. Still not opposed to that, like a Sean Murphy or something. Uh, or if they feel like Bo Naylor needs more time to find kind of a short-term solution to help out with Hedges. Hedges can't be your day daily starter full-time if he's going to hit the way that he's hit since he's been with the Guardians, even with as much value as he provides behind the plate. But I think he'd be a super valuable backup guy who plays even two or three times a week, even with the amount of help that he provides for the staff, especially if there's some pitchers that especially work well with him. So those are some thoughts. Uh, I know that Ken Rosenthal had an article about Tito, and Tito's saying, kind of sounding like he really wants to and thinks he can come back for next season, but that the time's kind of, the clock's kind of running out. Eventually, he's going to be done. And, uh, you know, I, I loved how one of the reporters asked him if, Karen Check pitching the last game against the Twins was a message since Baldelli was doing a little bit of Bush League, in my opinion, gamesmanship, stopping at bat to have an umpire check Karen Check's hair. Well, after that happened Saturday, then Sunday night, Karen Check closed out the uh, series against the Twins. And the reporter asked Tito if that was a message, and Tito said, I don't send messages, we just want to win. And I believe the guy, he never gets involved in the petty stuff. He never gets involved in the stuff that is just stupid that teams worry about. His teams just focus on winning, and he keeps them focused on that, doesn't let them get distracted. And that's what I love about it. Even though I'll whine sometimes about decision-making, about not being as trustful of younger guys as he should be, uh, that is an immensely valuable part of being a manager, the attitude and the comportment that he helps the team manage to is just the crucial part of his game. 
And I kind of feel like the team's likely to promote from within. So we'll see how that goes. But that's my thought. And maybe a Mike Sarbaugh or Luke Carlin or Ruglis Odor or uh, somebody somebody in the organization like that seems like the likely replacement when the time comes. But it feels like it's probably going to be this year and next year, at least for Tito. And uh, hopefully he'll have the horses to make a playoff run at some point. Don't forget that if you listen to the podcast, uh, we would love to have you go to sheetsgiggles.com and check out their bedding that is sustainably made and includes eucalyptus fibers. My wife and I love it, found it helps us sleep. There's nothing more important than your sleep. Getting back home from vacation, settling into your nice sheets and giggles sheets uh, makes a big difference. Makes your wife happy, makes you happy, makes your husband happy, makes you happy. Uh, So please go to sheetsgiggles.com, use the code guardians to save 15%, get some nicer sheets, uh, make your partner happy, make yourself happy, and support the Guardians Fink. This has been the Cleveland Guardians Fancast. You can find us Monday through Friday on any podcast service that you prefer. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, like, and download so that we can continue to produce these podcasts for your enjoyment.